Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Lori Gagne. She's the founder of Silver Spun Goods, a company that produces socks made from cotton and silver. It's the silver in her socks that makes them so special. Welcome, Lori. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Oh, we're it's a little, so it's delighted a little to diversion. Have you. <laughs> it's a yeah. <little> diversion. <laughs> <laughs> we need those diversions these days. We yes, do. We do. We do. <laughs> and, and I'd like to ask you some questions about how things are going during this health crisis, but I'm going to first have you tell us about your wonderful socks and why silver? What makes your socks so unique? Oh, okay. So um, it all started back in 2008 when I developed a yarn, a cotton yarn spun with pure silver. And the reason I wanted to put silver in the yarn is because I wanted to make it a therapeutic yarn. And silver has um, amazing therapeutic qualities, including um, uh, it kills odor-causing bacteria. So you can literally wear a pair of socks and not have to wash them as often as you normally do because the odor-causing bacteria is um, alleviated. It also has antimicrobial properties, so it tends to help by, uh, tends to help to keep the socks germ-free. So um, uh, let's say people that have diabetes that have to keep their feet free from infection, it's really good for that because... Um, you know, they can wear the socks and the germs are sort of pushed away um, with the silver. Um, it also has its own thermal properties, meaning they can be as warm as wool um, without the itch, but also um, it's great for people that have um, aversion to animal fibers. Say some people can't wear, um, you know, wool wool or, you know, alpaca or something like that. So um, these socks uh, help keep people's feet warm. And then the fourth thing is, which doesn't really work for socks, but it does work for gloves, which I eventually hope to start producing, is that the silver has its, um, its conductive. So you could actually wear a pair of gloves with this yarn, made with this yarn, and use your touch screen on any of your devices because the connectivity um, allows you to do that without taking um, your gloves off. So, I guess I guess what right. you could do, you could I guess what you could do is you could text with your toes wearing my socks if you wanted to, but I doubt <laughs> anybody's going to do that. <laughs> well, that's great. So, how did you come up with this idea? Oh, crazy story. So um, way back before I started producing the yarn, I um, had a company called Knit Out of the Box. And um, basically, I produced um, knitting kits for the desperate knitter because one time I got stranded in the airport 
I forgot to take my knitting with me. Um, I scoured the airport um, gift shop trying to find something that I could knit, and they didn't have anything. And so I sat down next to my husband at the airport, and I said, I need to create knitting kits to get into these shops because I'm a desperate knitter, and I'm going crazy right now. And um, he he looked at me, and he goes, that's not a bad idea. So, you know, I came home, and this was, gosh, this was way back um, I can't even remember when, what year I started this, but um, so anyway, I had this company and it was doing it was doing quite well. I was um, in hospital gift shops all across the country, and um, then that catalog, Uncommon Goods. Are you familiar with that catalog? They have really cool, unique things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they Very they started carrying they started carrying my kits, and so uh, I was doing I was doing really well. And then one night, you know how you Google yourself or you Google your name? And people used to do that. I don't know if people still Google their names, but I was Googling the name of my business, Knit Out of the Box, and this other company came up that was based in Turkey um, that had a similar name. And I thought, what, what, how could they have the same name as me? And, you know, and then I started doing research on the company and they actually, um, and they were very similar to my company, Knit Out of the Box. And, um, but one thing that they had was they had this yarn that was spun with pure silver. Mm. And I thought, that is really cool. I have never, ever heard of that. And, um, I, you know, I've been knitting since I was six years old, and I'm pretty familiar with the things that were available in, in this country, um, yarn-wise. And there was definitely no cotton yarn spun with silver that I was aware of. So I reached out to this person we worked out this deal where I would import the yarn and um, uh, I would basically be their um, stateside um, distributor. And so I started selling the yarn and I went to a show, a yarn show, and a bunch of people bought the yarn. And um, then when I delivered the yarn to them, I started hearing from them saying, it's not working the way it's supposed to be working. In other words, hmm. the silver was not working, you know, there was no connectivity, conductivity on the yarn. And I go, well, that's really weird because people wanted to knit gloves with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's really weird. So I sent some of the yarn up to FIT in New York City, Fashion Institute of Technology, to have it um, tested and the results came back, and they said, yes, there is some metallic in this yarn, but it's not silver. And I was oh. like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is not good. So I immediately severed ties with that supplier. Um, but then I thought, darn it, this is such an excellent idea. I'm just going to do it myself. Well, yes, wow. I've been knitting since I was six years old, but, you know, I didn't know anything about producing yarn, especially a, a cotton yarn, because cotton is so much different than wool in that, you know, I mean, with wool, you got the sheep, you shear the sheep, you know, you clean the wool, you spin the wool. And a lot of people, a lot of people do that because the fibers are longer than the cotton fibers. But mm-hmm. I wanted to do cotton because um, just for that reason that I talked before about I wanted to make sure that people that had a, an aversion to animal fibers could still use my yarn. So 
I decided I was just going to produce it myself. And I had no idea how to do that, but I started researching. And uh, eventually was introduced to the textile college um, at North Carolina State University. And um, I went down there. Um, I made an appointment. I called him up. I made an appointment and um, uh, met with them and told them what my crazy idea was. And this was before, you know, putting silver in fibers now is pretty common. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of them out there. But back when I was doing this, back in 2013, they had never even heard of it, really. Hmm. And so um, I sat down with them, told them what I wanted to do. They looked at me like I had three heads, but they said, <laughs> okay, let's give it a try. And uh, so they agreed to make some prototypes for me. But the problem was they had the cotton, but they didn't have the silver. So then I had to find a silver supplier that mm-hmm. would supply the silver that I needed. So that was another Sherlock Holmes adventure. And um, I eventually found someone um, I'm no longer using that supplier, but I did find someone. <clears throat> and um, uh, and then once I pr- started producing the yarn, you know, more suppliers sort of made themselves available. Because, you know, I'm uh, very small, and so I'm personally not very small, but my business is small. And mm-hmm. um, I, I needed, you know, I, I couldn't buy in bulk, like, most companies can, you know, the more you can buy, the, the cheaper it's going to be. So at first it was very expensive for me to produce the yarn. I'm slowly but surely getting the price down. But in the, initially, one pound of silver cost me over $500. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, the whole point of producing this yarn was to make it available to the hand knitting market as a therapeutic mm-hmm. yarn because of its because of its antimicrobial, antibacterial, thermal and conductive properties. Um, and I was I introduced it in 2013 and it was selling like crazy. It was doing really really well. But what I realized is that there are more people out there that wear socks than know how to knit them. So um, <laughs> so I decided that I wanted to, you know, I wanted this yarn to be available to everybody, not just the hand knitting market. So I decided, um, what, last August, August of 2019, that I wanted to start producing socks for everyone. And so that's mm-hmm. what I did. Yeah. That's great. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've been, you've had a business for quite a while, but the business has morphed somewhat over, over time. It's really funny. Yes. My businesses have morphed. I, um, you know, they all had to do with knitting or fiber. Um, but it's kind of funny because even before the knitting kit company knit out of the box, I was actually teaching, um, uh, and doing workshops, um, teaching people how to knit. Because I live in Washington, D.C. now, but I'm originally from Michigan. And growing up in Michigan, 
I don't know if it's a Midwestern thing or what, but we all learned how to knit when we were young. It was just a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Washington in 2001. Great timing there. So <laughs> we moved here and um, 9-11 happened. Then mm. the anthrax, then the anthrax scare happened. And then the sniper happened. And it was like, oh. ah, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the crazy thing was everybody started cocooning, right? And so mm-hmm. people were literally starting to knock on my door asking if I would teach them how to knit. So um, one thing led to another there. So I started having knitting groups in my house. And then mm-hmm. I started doing uh, weekend retreats for knitters. And then that evolved into the knitting kits, and the knitting kits evolved into the yarn, and then the yarn evolved into sock production. Crazy, but... (laughs) (laughs) I think there are a lot of people right now who would really like you to teach them how to knit. (laughs) Oh, you know what's so funny? (laughs) No, and it's funny you should say that because... um, People are emailing me, asking mm-hmm. me if I can fix their knitting. Like, they're all starting to learn how to knit off of YouTube, which I think is fabulous. Because uh-huh. let's face it, YouTube, YouTube instructions are available 24-7, whereas, you know, someone like me, I'm not. So they, um, I have this neighbor that learned, taught herself how to knit on YouTube, but she emailed me the other day and said, oh, I made this mistake and I don't know how to fix it. If I leave it on your front porch, will you <laughs> fix it for me? So that's what we did. She walked by. She put it on the front porch. After she left, I went out and got it, you know, washed my hands. It was just, it's kind of crazy how, I mean, it's really making us think differently about a lot of different things, right? So I fixed it for sure. her, put, put it back on the front porch, and she walked by and picked it up. And then the... And then literally that night, another um, former student of mine said, oh, I made this sweater for my granddaughter, but I can't, I, can you finish it for me? You know, <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh, wow. it's like, okay, <laughs> whatever. But, yeah. So mm-hmm. how is this crisis uh, affecting a small business like yours? Um, I'm very Besides. Nervous. Besides driving people to your doorstep with knitting that needs repair. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's not selling socks, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I will admit I'm very nervous that my sales are going to dry up, you know, and things were just kicking in. We were just, you know, starting to do. We had, I had these campaigns that we were going to do and all this sort of stuff, and all of that had to be put on the back burner now. And, you know, fortunately, um, I did a uh, an email to my email list the other night, the other day, and um, uh, I got really quite a, a good response. Um, so I sold some stocks. Um, I'm working with some Instagram influencers that. Um, uh, I'm hoping I'm going to direct some business my way. You know, I'm, I'm having to rethink everything now because 
I, I'm trying to do things where I don't have to spend money because I don't have the money to spend, right? Mm-hmm. But right. in order to get, so it's a catch-22. I mean, you have to spend a little bit of money to make money. And, you know, I've always been of that mindset. You have to spend money to make money. I mean, you just have to. But when you don't have it, it's like, ah. And I'm not yeah. the only one. I mean, all my small business, I have a number of friends that are small business owners, and we're all just struggling trying to figure out what we're going to do. Um, yeah. It's quite amazing how um, the online community is really coming to the support of the small businesses. You know, I've had a number of customers sort of post things online for me saying that my socks are the work at home essential because I mean, truly, (laughs) if you're going to work from home, you want, you want, you want a pair of really cozy socks with silver in them that you don't have to wash as, wash as often. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you can just sort of curl up and that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can come out on the other side of this. Everything, everything is here in my house, so I don't have to go anywhere. By everything you mean, that includes your warehouse, correct? Correct. Yeah. All of my inventory. Because you've already invested in an inventory. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Literally, I got um, a huge shipment the day before we all went into, um, you know, working from home quarantining mm-hmm. so it's like oh, okay <laughs> so yeah. fortunately you know I'm full up now I have an, um, a pretty good backlog of um, of inventory but you know what I'm nervous about is um, I have my yarn made at NC State right and they are closed down mm-hmm. right you know? um, so this is all okay, now, this is a good segue. So tell me about your manufacturing process. And as you go along, you may find, you may talk about things that could be changing as well as things, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some things will stay the same. But tell me about, yeah. your, people who are starting businesses with products have got to learn a lot about the manufacturing process. And your knowledge on the subject is so great. So if you wouldn't mind, mm-hmm. tell me about that. Okay. So, well, like I said in the beginning, I knew nothing about mm-hmm. um, how to go about getting a yarn produced. And I would say the most important thing I did was research and talk to people and ask questions. And, you know, m- most people are more than willing to help you out and sort of say, oh, you know, you might want to try these people or you might want to go over here. And, I mean, seriously, the way that I found out about the textile college at North Carolina State University is um, my parents used to live near Asheville, um, North Carolina. And I was Hmm. going down to visit them one, I guess it was um, early fall, and... um, there is a big fiber festival that happens down there every fall. And um, my parents said, do you want to go to this thing? And I was like, yeah, that would be fun, you know, because they're like, what are we going to do? we got to come up with something. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so we're going to take Lori to a fiber festival because that's what she likes to do. So um, 
I took my 80 year old parents to this festival and my poor dad. Oh my God. <laughs> Fortunately they had live like alpaca and <laughs> sheep and stuff there. So he could hang out with them for a while <laughs> because walking around looking at booths of yarn was not his thing. But, uh-huh. um, I, um, it, it, just so happened that a woman that lived not too far from my parents um, had a booth there and her booth was all cotton. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, where do you get this? Where do you get this cotton produced? And uh, she told me about NC state. She said, you need to go talk to Tim Pleasance at North Carolina state university. They have the best textile college in the country. And I was like, Okay. You know, so I wrote down the information. I got back home, called him up, and um, told him what I wanted to do, and set up an appointment to go down and visit them. And it, it was terrific. And ever since then, Tim is actually still producing my yarn for me, um, which is uh, a great thing because I can only produce, you know. In the beginning, I was only able to produce maybe 20, 30, 40 pounds of yarn at a time because it is so expensive to produce. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm getting, but with my business growing now, um, like 50 to 100 pounds at a time is mm-hmm. uh, becoming more of the norm. Um, but uh, through this whole thing, he has just, you know, uh, showed me how it works, and you can go. You can go down there and actually visit the the um, their operation. I think they do open houses like once a month or something, and it's just phenomenal. the The textile lab is just amazing. But um, so um, I've learned about the different cotton types, and oh, and the other thing I forgot to stress about, which is very very important to me about my whole um, business, is that. Absolutely everything that I do and use is um, American-made or mm-hmm. it's um, made, made here in the States, grown here in the States. Um, all my suppliers are, are um, stateside. So, in other words, the cotton that I use, all grown here in the States. Um, the silver that, um, we, that we use in the yarn is produced here in the States. My supplier is here. Um, my sock manufacturer is a, just a fabulous, wonderful little small family owned company down in Hickory, North Carolina. And hmm. you know, that sock, that sock mill has been there since 1940 sometime. Yeah. I think since 1940. Um, um, so. Wow. That's great. That's a great. Yeah. And I there. also. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is I'm trying to keep my carbon footprint as small as possible. So North Carolina, you know, it's not too far from from uh, Washington, D.C., so um, the shipping and all of that sort of stuff is, is pretty minimal. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, you know, and, and on that whole environmental thing, all of my um, shipping supplies that I use to ship out my product – they're all either recycled or recyclable um, uh, packaging, you know, so 
that's the cool thing about when you have a small business. You can design it the way you want to do it. You know what I mean? Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and don't you have a, whole, a, a relationship with a, a nonprofit and donate yep, some of your yep. profits to it? Yeah. Yes. Tell yes. us about that. And so I was just I was just going to say that. So I basically had three things when I developed this company that I wanted to um, make sure that I did. Number one, everything had to be produced in the U.S. Number two, I wanted to make my environmental footprint as small as possible. And number three, I wanted to give back to the community. And um, so my community, my current community partner um, is, is No Kid no Kid Hungry, which is an organization, it's a national organization that um, supplies school lunches and breakfasts to um, school-aged children o- across the country. And now more than ever, because of this whole um, uh, in, uh, the whole virus thing that's going on, um, you know, so many, almost all schools are closed down, right? So these mm-hmm. kids... It, it, where they used to get their, their, it could be the only meal they get a day, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so they have, they're working very hard to make sure that these children are still getting fed and all that sort of stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. and how I decided on that particular, um, uh, community partner was, um, my oldest daughter is a second grade school teacher in Denver. And um, they have had this breakfast program instituted in their school. And she was telling me one day, just it's amazing, you know, how much better the kids learn when they when they have a full stomach. So, oh, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I went. You know, I just mm-hmm. wanted to do that. And um, that's great. You know, it makes me feel it makes me feel good. It's like, yeah, yes, the business. Um, yeah, I, when it's your own business, you can. I had someone tell me once that you're really not supposed to start giving money away until you're really making a lot of money. But I just feel good that I'm able to make enough money to donate to them. You know, it's just a portion mm-hmm. of of what I um, of what I make, but it's something, and it just makes me feel good that I can do that. So I do mm-hmm. it. Great. All right, so under normal conditions, how do you <laughs> yeah. get customers? How do you sell socks and how do you get customers? I have a number, a number of different avenues that I use. Um, the first thing is is that I have an online website that um, is powered by Shopify, which um, is just Shopify. I can't say enough good things about them. They're just great. And... Um, so I am able to, um, you know, direct people to the website either via social media. So I have an Instagram account, um, mm-hmm. an Instagram business account. So I'm able to tag my products um, whenever I do a posting um, that sends them directly to the website. So that's great. Um, I have an email subscriber list. Uh, that I send out to twice a month usually. I'd let them know if we're having a sale or whatever. I also uh, do in-store pop-ups 
You know, like in the Washington, D.C. area here, there's a number of small boutiques that actually carry my product. I don't do a lot of wholesale, but um, uh, the wholesale that I do do, I'm able to um, go into their store and sort of do like an in-store pop-up so that uh, the customers are actually, because I'm there, I can explain to them about the socks and how they work and um, why it's important that the silver is in there, because that's the first question everybody asks, right? It's like, why mm-hmm. silver? And um, so that gets me sort of, they get a face behind um, the company that they know that it's mm-hmm. not just, you know, like a lot of people, you know, um, a lot of people think that it's like a big corporation, you know, and I know they think that because they'll send an email and say like, um, you know, it just sort of sounds like they're talking to a corporation instead of one person. So I really want people to know that, hey, you know what? This whole company is run by me. <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm doing pretty good at it, you know. So uh, anyway, um, so basically at this point, um, because of the um, – sort of whole working from home quarantine environment. That's about all that I'm able to do right now is the, is the social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I haven't done any ads yet or anything like mm-hmm. that simply because, um, and I think eventually I will. It's just, again, they're expensive and, you know, you got to make sure you, you market the right people and target the right people and all that sort of stuff. But, um, uh, when things get back to normal, I think I'm going to do a um, a postcard campaign, literally sending postcards in the mail about mm-hmm. the socks and why they're, um, you know, just to, just to sort of uh, check us out. Here's our website type thing. So, so that's a major. Um, hurdle right now is just getting people to the website you know so yeah. i'm doing what i can especially i'm hoping that these instagram influencers will help uh will work because um uh you know it's it's relatively inexpensive to do that and um you can hit a lot of people at one time so well can you explain <laughs> good can you explain a, uh, an influencer, what is an influencer, and how do you go get one? Okay, so um, an influencer on Instagram is someone who, um, at least my definition is, is they have a very large following. They mm-hmm. have um, people that interact with them a lot. In other words, people comment a lot, um, on any of their posts, right? Because you can have someone that has a gazillion followers, but nobody interacts with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, the influencers that I look for are people that have a, a relatively good following, but even more than that, a, rel- a really excellent interaction type um, uh, a lot of interaction going on between the followers and the influencer. And then the, and so then what I'll do is I will follow that influencer for a while, um, 
see what kind of posts they put up, how they do it. Um, because, you know, an influencer's personality will come through, too, on, on their posts. And then if I think mm-hmm. it's a good fit, um, I will either DM them directly through Instagram, which doesn't always work. I don't, uh, you know, if someone DMs me, <clears throat> I, I, you know, get back with them right away. But I think these larger influencers, um, they must be getting DMs all the time. So mm-hmm. the other thing I'll do is I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll email them because I don't care what anybody says. Eventually, I mean, email is probably the best way to get through to somebody because they'll eventually get back with you. And um, so I'll email and ask them if they would be willing to collaborate. And if they say yes, then I start a conversation, you know, we start a conversation of what can we do? How can we do it? Um, uh, A lot of the influencers, um, I shouldn't say a lot, but some of the influencers, because they have such a large following, they ha- they will charge for um, a mention of your product. Um, it's not mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of money, but um, it's it's a way that they make money too. You know, mm-hmm. um, because everybody everybody we're not you know most of us that are doing this we're not doing it for <clears throat> for fun. You know, we're actually in business to to make money. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, but the other thing I came up with is that some influencers, um, because I didn't have a lot of money to throw at it, a number of influencers, we came up with this, um, what would you call it? So I, I supply them with, um, a discount code that they can share with their followers and then, for every sale that I get <clears throat> with that discount code, the influencer will get a portion of that sale, you know? So that's another way to do it as well. Great. That's a great explanation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in, in your case, the influencer who is a good fit is someone in wellness or fashion um both both um fashion um but not high-end fashion like people that um uh like their thri- the, um, the the one that i have been using lately is their um they sort of explain to people how to put their wardrobes together with things that they already have or things that they have thrifted. Cause you know, thrifting mm-hmm. is a huge thing, you know? And so I tend to look at those. Um, and then the wait, way what to is find thrifting, what, what is thrifting? So they go to thrift stores and buy clothes. Oh, gotcha. And then they, you know, and then they come home and they show people how to, you know, accessorize it or put it with other things or um, Mm -hmm. uh, and just how to like work with what you have in your closet without having to go out and buy a bunch of new stuff that you're not that basically they're getting away from fast fashion and working back into slow fashion. 
So um, mm-hmm. do you know the definition between those? You know, fast fashion is something that uh, isn't that expensive. It's made pretty quickly, and you're probably going to wear it for one season. Where slow mm-hmm. fashion is, it might, it might be a little more expensive, but it's going to last a really long time, and it's a good article and piece of clothing. So mm-hmm. that's how I feel about, and that's how I feel about my socks. You know, my socks are not inexpensive, but if you look at it in the bigger picture, um, they wear like iron. You're going to have them for a long time, and um, you don't have to wash them as often, so they won't. Um, you know, when you wash something over and over and over again, eventually it's going to deteriorate. It doesn't. Mine won't do that because, I mean, if you had them for 10 years, I suppose, but, I mean, seriously, I have I have pairs of them that I've been wearing for five, six years, so, hmm. so uh, wow. no. That's great. Well, I mean, I, I knit those <laughs> because I haven't been using <laughs> the socks for that long, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. And then the way well, that great. I, um, another tip that on how to find other influencers is the influencers that I'm using. I like to look to see who follows them. And, you know, because people tend to follow people that do the same thing that they do. So then I just sort of like, Oh, well that's, that's, I mean, it's a, a great resource. It gives you good data. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's yeah. Great. Fantastic. I just want you to know this is the first discussion about influencers that we've done on this podcast. So thank you very, oh. very much for that. <laughs> oh, you're more than welcome. I think they're, I think they're vital. I think they're really, um, they're a really, really important resource to tap, I think. You just got to make sure you do the right ones, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to impart about Silver Spun Goods and your lessons learned? <laughs> lessons learned. Um, you know, the thing about having a small business is that it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's also the most rewarding. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening. I was actually listening to another podcast yesterday, and they were interviewing a woman who um, had her own um, small business. Um, clothing line and she was talking about how um, she was talking to a production manager one day or something and she was like every day it seemed like something was going wrong every day something was going wrong and she turned to her production manager and she said god does it have to be so hard he turned to her and said something that I it's like my mantra He turned to her and said, if it was easy, everybody would have a small business, you know? (laughs) So it's only the tough ones. It's only those of us that, you know, we have the drive and the passion and the, like, we're like one of those punching bags that you had when you were a kid, you know, you'd punch it and it would pop back up like the, that's how I feel I am (laughs) some days, but um, it's just you know, then I, I'll, you know, I'll be pounding my head against the wall and then I'll open up my email and I'll get, um, 
I get an email from a customer, like I got one yesterday. Lori, these socks are the most amazing socks I've ever worn. And it's like, okay, okay, it's all worth it, you know? It's just mm-hmm. all worth it. If, people, if I'm making something that people love, you know, eventually they're all going to uh, eventually – if I can keep going, if we can make it through this craziness that we're, that we're dealing with right now, you know, I will be happy because I think more customers will find me. And, you know, when we were talking before about influencers and that type of thing and how I market the company, I think the biggest, most important thing about any business is the word of mouth. And... Mm-hmm. How you know to me, word of mouth is the most important thing, and return customers. I have the the highest. I have one of the highest rates I've ever seen for return customers. So, um, that's great. It's yeah. It's just it, it, the fact that I'm making something that people love and they tell me about it. It keeps me going. <laughs> and you I know, have a pair, and I'll test. And I'll, and I'll say that I, I too, love wearing my socks. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you. For, I'm glad. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, this is great. Uh, really appreciate this, Lori, and uh, love hearing about your business and uh, learning how to be a manufacturer of a product, uh, out, you know, despite some difficulties. Uh, I also appreciated that your sock manufacturer has been here since 1940. And I'd just like to point out there have been a lot of crises between 1940 and today. And it's a lot of things that have really hit small businesses and they still survive. So this is a tough time. There's no question about it. And there are survival techniques that companies can use. Yeah, and you and you're the one that knows all about those, so that's good. So, <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, thank you. This was great fun. Thank you.